Hello and welcome back to the Jaunty Mantis podcast. This is a podcast full of creative questions for curious gamers. It's about TTRPGs. It's about nerd garbage. It's about two guys. That's us. I got my co-host Jesse here and I'm Maddie. Jesse, what do we have on the table today for our lovely audience in season two? Season two, creations without number. Oh, okay. So we're going to keep the name then. Yeah, I liked it. Oh, okay. All right. Workshopping complete. We did it, guys. We did it on air. <laughs> That's right. On, we, on tubes. <laughs> That's right. And season two of the Jaunty Mantis is devoted entirely to the creative process. That's something that Jesse and I like to do together around gaming, around tabletop RPGs, around Dungeons and Dragons and other role-playing games. And we thought, you know, why not devote season two to sharing our process and uh, give our audience a little bit of insight into how we plan for games, how we create campaign settings, how we design worlds. And Jesse, what kind of tool set are we using in order to accomplish this task? Well, like most of the episodes this season, we are once again using the fabulous tables and tools uh, written and created by Kevin Crawford of Sign Nominee Publishing. And in today, uh, since our last couple episodes, we did cyberpunk. We're now going to fantasy uh, with his book, Worlds Without Number. And I do want to put a slight little twist on this. Mm -hmm. um, Worlds Without Number is definitely what I would consider to be more of weird fantasy. Perfect. It is... Uh, it is more like the dying earth than it is the forgotten realms of Faerun. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Kevin Crawford, he's the man, the books that he's written, those are our tools and resources. You know, if this was a podcast from the early two thousands, we would tell you to drink every time we mentioned sign nominee or Kevin Crawford or a, you know, with numbers or without numbers or whatever. Uh, but you'd be drunk by now and an alcoholic and you should probably seek help. But maybe we could fill up your bingo card for this episode. Kevin Crawford, Kevin Crawford, Kevin Crawford, sign nominee. All right. And if you are worried, just remember, if you can do dry January, hmm. uh, then you can just be like, well, I did try January. So obviously I don't have a problem, which is what I do every year. Yeah. And I do have a problem. So I just stopped drinking altogether. All right. Here we go. Jesse. Our last episode, series of episodes, our last three episodes were cyberpunk. This one's going to be fantasy. Can I put you on the spot to give us another killer intro? Stoke the last coals in the fire, for the wind blows chill. Much now resides beneath the ash, the world is old and groaning. The 
ruins of ancient peoples in ancient days and conquerors from beyond the stars litter the cracked and barren wasteland. This is Weird Fantasy. Crawford, you know, he has a system. We've been rolling on tables in our cyberpunk setting. Are we going to do something similar here, Jesse? We will, but we're going to start way up high at the world level. And this is just some uh, some questions, which I'm really looking forward to talking about because this is how we've come up with some of the craziest shit that we never followed through on. That's true. Yeah. So for, if you're playing at home, the book is called Worlds Without Numbers by Cy Nominate Publishing. Kevin Crawford is the author. And if you haven't uh, picked up on it yet, we're also trying to support this guy and his company and these books. There are free versions out there. So definitely go check them out. See how awesome this book is for yourself and then buy it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And I'm going to start because it's been three episodes since we Do talked it. about it. The Golden Rules of Preparation from St. Kevin Crawford. Question one to ask yourself, am I having fun building this? If if the answer is no, guess what his advice is? Do you have any guesses, buddy? Stop. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Don't, don't do a thing that you don't enjoy as your hobby. Because uh, then you wind up being like a, I don't know, D&D influencer on TikTok or something. Yeah, those people. They got no Scott's fired. <laughs> Then you make a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the other question is, am I going to need this for the next session of play? <laughs> what happens if you discover you don't need it for the next session of play? Well, I think if you're having fun, hey, keep going. And if you're not having fun, stop. <laughs> I feel like I feel like we need T-shirts, right? <laughs> like one of them should just say stop. <laughs> yeah. Another it's, one should have a picture of Link from Legend of Zelda, and it should say Murder Hobo. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe like a wrist tattoo that just says stop. So I can just be like, yep. oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes but, as creative people doing an awesome hobby, we need to be reminded to stop. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes we need to be reminded to start. Oh, so we're going to go through the questions. Okay. What page are the questions on? We're on page 117, building your backdrop. Did you hear me put on my teacher voice when I did mm -hmm. that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Still got it. <laughs> yep. Okay. We're going to start at the list, top of this list. Yeah. And I don't know... Tell me what you think that maybe we should save this one for last. But the first one is what is the name of this world for people in your campaign scope? And you want to save this for last? I want to save it till we answer the other ones because we're just okay. going to name the world before we know anything about it. Yeah, this is an oddly placed question. You know, once Kevin Crawford hears these podcasts and is like, oh my God, you guys are awesome. Can I totally come on your show? And we're like, yes, of course. We can ask him questions like this. Like, why is this one first? But I see what you're saying. Let's put it last. 
Yeah, because otherwise I'd be like, our world is called Stankonia, like the outcast album. <laughs> <laughs> See, people, do not be intimidated by this creative process. <laughs> okay, here's a fun one. Question okay. two. Yes. Are natural physical laws mostly the same as in our world? And then there's some great examples of this. If there are multiple moons... Uh, a lack of stars, a great crystal dome over a flat earth, or some other obvious global novelty of reality, you need to decide on it at this point, because the PCs will likely know about it as a societal commonplace. Interesting. Okay. So, we stylize this as weird fantasy. Yeah. So does that mean we want to go full weird fantasy on this one? Do we want to go a sky without stars? I think a sky without stars is good. And I think it'd be cool if there's like a couple of moons and one of them is just straight up a massive skull. Oh, beautiful. Like I love that. I love you and I love the way you think. Like a clearly clearly vaguely round but clearly humanoid or human skull that just leers down at the world every time the sun goes down i love this because when it's time for people because like when like listeners when we're doing this process we always imagine that this is going to actually be a game and i love the idea of putting this idea and uh this concept in front of our players and then having that one person be like, is there anything I really need to know about the world? It's like, oh, yeah, there's a giant skull in the sky and there are no stars. And just leave it at that. Like, what does that do to a society of people? <laughs> yeah. Is that so normal they don't think about it? You know what I Why? mean? Like, <laughs> Why is the grim visage of death itself constantly staring down at you from the otherwise empty night sky? Yeah. Well, you know opinions about the skull are like assholes everybody's <laughs> got one and they all stink <laughs> i love it i love it so our answer to this question is no <laughs> <laughs> well are we gonna are we gonna run roughshod with the rest of like the you know physical laws and and other aspects of that are similar to our world are we just gonna make it this one or are we gonna leave that open-ended uh, let's leave that open-ended and see if something else guides us. But for right now, there are no stars. There's a couple of moons. How about the skull doesn't orbit? Oh, it's just a fixed position in the sky? It's just in the same place every night. <laughs> I love it. All right, I'm into it. I don't even know if that works with the sun that orbits, but, you know, like, you just don't see it at day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm into it. I like this idea. And and then I just for some reason I just thought of the mighty Boosh, like the when you are the moon. Classic. Yeah. All right. Um Yeah, I don't think we can like there can be I think gravity generally works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll come up with the rest of it as we go. I like that the skull in the sky that is like a um what you would call it. It's like a place setting or a marker or a bookmark. It's a reminder to us that this is weird. It sets the tone. And I'm going to make a note of this in our document while I 
pitch you the next question. Are there any spirit worlds, alternate dimensions, novel planes of existence, or other cosmological locales generally associated with the world? I don't think you want to go to the skull. <laughs> yeah, but people are, you know, since the dawn of time, humans have debated the origin and purpose of the skull in the sky. <laughs> You know what I now mean? with modern science and American know-how. <laughs> like the description for this question is really good. It says, don't worry about gods just yet, but think about whether there are any heavens or hells or crawling darks that the natives of this world would likely know about. Of course, some such alternate planes might be established later in the backdrop creation as secrets known only to sages or sinister priests. So really what we what we're asking here is is there a heaven and hell? And I want to say no. Cool. I want this to be heaven and hell. I want this to be I want this world to be some kind of fucked up afterlife reality if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like, that's the fantastical aspect about it. I don't know if... Is that commonly done in fantasy fiction and storytelling? So I can think of two things that are loosely adjacent to that. Okay, let's hear them. One of them is the single book 3.0 setting for D&D Ghost Walk. Oh, God, that book is awesome. Yeah, it is. Uh, for those of you who missed it... <laughs> <laughs> when this one book came out, it was a world where there's this huge city built among above the gates of the dead. Um, and people had to actually take bodies there to pass through the gates of the dead. And the dwarves were like the guardians of the door. And as a result in the city, like if you died, you could just start taking levels of ghost. Mm -hmm. Like for your character. Um, it was very, very strange. That's oh, not man. quite the same thing. And then the other one that I just read recently, as I was, you know, I mentioned when recorded a couple weeks ago, I was like, oh, I kind of like the new Planescape book. One of the factions, I think it's the Bleak Cabal, um, basically believes that you're all, you already died and you're in an afterlife. Mm. It's like a false afterlife. And then in a very sort of blood of vol twist, you have to ascend to undeath so you can die a real death and get on to whatever the next stage of existence is interesting which, which is cool what i would like to do and i think this piggybacks on what you just said but what i would like to do is advance the clock like in fantasy there's always these like epic things that must be defeated or else right the prophesized main character must find this sword and then learn how to use it and then fight the big bad and save everybody. And what I would like to do with this setting is say that didn't work. Okay. This setting is the result of the hero failing to fully realize their destiny. And to creatively answer this question, yes, there are alternate dimensions. This is the forced afterlife. This is the effect of whatever the big bad was trying to do. And it is hedging out reality. 
Do you know what I'm saying? So the other dimensions are like the prime material plane, so to speak. And this is hedging out reality so that people have no choice but to live in whatever the fuck this is where there's no stars and there's this giant skull in the sky and I don't know, the fucking seas are, are made of blood or something. I don't know. It's just like really fucked up shit where it's like people are trying to hedge out a a, a life and survival in this nightmare reality that is like almost fully realized uh, as a result of this original hero failing. And a big part about this world is that the prophecy has never been completely answered properly. You know, there's always been misinterpretations of it. And what would could be cool about this is that the player characters figure out that it actually hasn't happened yet. That moment that they thought this other hero was supposed to do it hasn't happened yet or Ooh. they have a second chance to make it happen or something like that. What do you think? So the, one of the story narrative themes we're doing is, um, hope. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. But hope in like a really bleak, you know what I mean? Like if you figure out how to travel between dimensions, you could go to like what we understand as a fantasy world, you know? And then that would appear as like, a heaven like a heavenly like place compared to where the player characters are from you know like i'm for some reason i'm picturing the aesthetic of diablo 4 without yeah. all the tons of demons or maybe there are tons of demons i don't know but i'm not a huge fan of diablo 4 as an actual game it's just not my bag it, it's it's a really cool game but i fell in love more with the music the way the 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 costuming the bleak reality of it all, the way the people acted, you know, towards you, just the, the way life was still trying to like carry on despite this completely bleak campaign setting. So I'd like to just steal that particular aspect and place it in this reality where the, this game, where there's a skull in the sky. Okay. I'm with you. All right, cool. Big surprise. Um, <laughs> Are there any grand global scale empires or groups that impinge on the campaign scope? For sure. Okay. Sorry, name and a two-sentence description. The name of the empire and a two-sentence description? Yes. Hmm. Okay, let's think about what this empire is. So is this this is probably the empire of the big bad. Yeah. Right? Yep. So maybe we need to focus on that specifically. Like, although I like the idea of the big bad being so far into their process that they are detached from this empire, you know, like oh, the yeah, big it's running bad, on autopilot from yes. like some like fifth tier Lieutenant. <laughs> yes. So what would be the, so the question then is, does the empire have like a place name? Is it a kingdom name? It is, is it like a name of dread? You know what I mean? Like, is it a name they manufactured? Oh, I think they picked whatever fake Latin sounding thing sounded the <laughs> scariest, like the Pax Osseus, the piece of bone. <laughs> um, is that real? The Pax, would you just say the Pax Osseus? Well, I mean, I might be Greek. I'm mixing. It's it's. Oh, I you know, love it. 
I think Pax means peace and Osseus means related to bone. So perfect. All right. The Pax Osseus. It sounds so ominous. I know, right? That's yeah. <laughs> um, I'm one of the things I'm thinking about this. I don't know how we fit this into a sentence. I saw this thing come across one of my social media feeds, and it's like one of the like I think two surviving like seals of the Mongol Empire, like the passport. Like that basically says, like, if you lay a finger on this person, you, <laughs> everyone you've known, your whole civilization is dead, just mm -hmm. dead. <laughs> like, we will, we will scour the dust that is left of you from this world if you touch these people. And you know, we can. Right. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah, what if it's just like, oh man, I'm getting all, it's basically <laughs> giant bone wagons like mm -hmm. with the code of law that is writ on them that just kind of crawl across the land and where whenever you're in range of one you're in the empire congrats mm -hmm. citizen time to pay your taxes like yeah, i love it yeah this this um, this ominous empire has defeated and killed like all of the greatest things that could oppose it yeah. So it's a kingdom of bones. It's the structures are built from the bo bones of dead gods, practically. Yeah. You know, um, they just roll around four deep in the corpses of their enemies. <laughs> yeah. And it's their, it's like their primary um, form of technology is based on utilizing the precious materials that come about from a dying god. Right. Or, or these dying magical creatures, you know, like technology in this world has ha manifested it itself because like the skin, the muscle, the sinew, the bones, the eyeballs of these creatures and beings that, that, that they defeated and killed still have somewhat magical properties to them. So it's recreated technology in this world because now it's commonplace for people to create things out of bone from this tradition based on these past events yep all right um i would i would also maybe this is too basic bitch uh of an idea when it comes to fantasy but i like the idea that this empire is self-destructing okay what do you think? Because I think we have to offer the player player characters some measure of hope and opportunity in the setting. You know, like I, I don't want to be so bleak that the players are just like, well, I, I don't know. We don't do anything. Like, how do you get anything done in this world? Yeah, they're this. Uh, I, I wrote and just to get this idea out, tell me what I think they're self-destructing under a lack of enemies to fight. Mm hmm. They've turned on each other. Yep. And I would posit that this is all part of the process as well. Yep. You know what I mean? Like the big bads evil plan that's about to hit that moment of fruition is counting on this. Mm -hmm. That the empire is cannibalizing itself, essentially. Right? It's flincing itself to the bone. <laughs> How interconnected are the parts of your world? Is it easy to move from one region to another? 
Uh, do natives know a lot about their more distant neighbors? I'm thinking no. And I'm thinking this is very much going back towards um, like one of the things as I've been reading a lot about Exalted and thinking about Dark Sun, uh, the whole idea of like the Bronze Age versus like late medieval, which is what most of D&D is. Mm -hmm. um, like there's some very big differences in technology uh, and warfare and styles. And so I think this is more of one of those just for lack of resources leans into the kind of uh the bronze age sort of thing right. and traveling far means you're crossing a pax hold mm -hmm. um and you probably don't want to do that unless you want to be real careful about maintaining the peace and following the law i love everything you just said um i would like to add the idea we don't have to do it i would like to add the idea of uh i Unlike most men, I typically don't think about the Roman Empire very often. However, in this moment, uh, I would like to use the example of great empires that overstretch their reach and cannot maintain that level of control. So like all of them in the entirety <laughs> of human history. <laughs> yeah, but I was trying to make a joke about the Roman Empire and it didn't work. Okay. Uh, uh, all right, so what I'm trying to say is that like, this empire has overstretched its reach, is now caving in on itself, and the more distant uh, communities or aspects of civilization from this empire have been left to their own devices, and that is where we get the almost good places for the party to encounter, off in the distance. Okay. And it makes me think about because everything does these days. And I brought this up to you before, so stop me if you've heard this one. But uh, Minthara in Baldur's Gate 3 is a great companion character because she's evil as all fuck. But her worldview is so normal to her to the point where she's like, like slaves and murder and treachery and war. Like These are all just so commonplace. She talks about them so matter-of-factly. And I like the idea of creating distant civilizations that are technically under the wings of the empire, but have had to create, like been left to their own devices. So they're like almost like anti-hero civilizations or they're civilizations that are kind of good, but have like, they leave it a bad taste in your mouth. You know, yeah. like they had to pay a price to be that way. You know? Yeah, I think I, th I love this too. The other idea I was kicking on this just like as a thematic piece is like <clears throat> the whole thing. Because, you, you know, one of the things I really like to listen to is podcasts about the deaths of civilizations. Um, <laughs> not just Dan Carlin, like <laughs> yes, other ones too. And like the whole thing, I think Dan Carlin said it in, in uh, his book, The End is Always Near. Um Wow, we just went real bros having a podcast there, <laughs> didn't we? Uh, like, what does it mean to be a civilization? Uh, we'll come up with a terrible answer <laughs> here uh -huh. in a second. Yep. Um, but the idea of like how much of human history have people spent living in the ruins of people that were clearly more advanced than them? Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking about that in this world. How many people live a life like that? 
but that more advanced civilization built out of fucking bone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's a bone aqueduct running across your carrying blood across your shitty valley that you right. like try and yeah. scrap roots out of the ground in. Yeah, this is the world that all of the, you know, um exasperated wizard-like characters you know, told our heroes about in stories like, oh, if so-and-so wins, they'll cast the world in darkness. Blood will run through the rivers, you know, locusts, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is that world. It happened. So, like, we need to take, we need to put it on a grand scale. So I love everything you're saying right now. Okay, cool. Uh, So, yeah, not connected. Disconnected imperial remnants and city states crouching in the corpse. (laughs) (laughs) Of their once great forebearers. It's just like, you know, liches all the way down. (laughs) (laughs) yeah liches are so common there's like sub liches that's a they're like bogged down in bureaucracy (laughs) yeah sub lich means mayor in this world (laughs) yeah (laughs) like Um, being a lich just isn't good enough in this world (laughs) okay and then here's the last one and i'm gonna i'm gonna do an answer that might be bad are there any vast global events that have happened recently? I want to say no. Okay. I want to say it's just spiraling down ever so slowly. Like it's been so long since anything like earth shaking happened. Mm -hmm. Like that. It just feels really stagnant or it feels really, really like that, you know, breath before the plunge. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got to look at it like some there was a still pond and somebody threw a gigantic rock into the middle of it and it made these ripples. And uh, between the ripples, the further out it gets, the more space there is in between. And that's what's happening right now is the space in between. And it has been going on for a very long time before the next ripple hits. Okay. Does that did that make any sense? Yeah. Okay. All right. Are we going to go back to the first question now, or are we going to save that all the way to the end? Because I think I'm we trying, have the name I, of this world. I think we already have it. Skull World. <laughs> <laughs> Doomsville. <laughs> no, no. Boner. We'll that we'll oh. we'll save that to the very end. I want, man, what if the people, okay, I just had an idea. This might be really over, you know, I get overwrought sometimes. Sure. But like, what if people just said like, you know, like we live on earth. What if they just called it neath the gaze? Neath the gaze. Yes. Like they don't even bother to say the beneath anymore. They're just, they look up at the skull and they say, ah, neath the gaze. I like it. I like it. I also like beneath. Okay. Beneath the gaze. 
Yeah. Well, I could go with any of these. Right? Like the name of the world is beneath the gaze, but they just shorten it down to beneath. Or oh, the beneath. beneath. What do you like think? B apostrophe N E T H. But what you said works for me too. It all works for me. I like the idea of the world being named according to this giant skull in the sky that's staring you down. I think it's just B-N-E-A-T-H. Or, I mean, it could be whatever we want. It's a world of fantasy and mystery. Beneath. Yeah, because typical... The world of beneath is born, for beneath the gaze, the Pax Osseus rolls in their doom wagons across... I don't know. So beneath the gaze or neath the gaze? Let's That's choose just a one. common idiom. The world's called beneath. Okay. I can go in either of those directions. What's next? Okay. Um, we need to decide what level we want to step down to next. Uh, the book has region. Okay. And if we're looking for the region, uh, we are basically going to look at page 118. 118. This is the level that covers the cluster of nations or civilizations most relevant to the intended scope of the campaign. So we're talking nations, tribal groups, marauders, churches faiths religions in the in the area right um okay so uh first things first follow the steps below on page 118 to flesh it out Mm -hmm. region level question what is the name of the region Gosh, we haven't really identified any themes to work with on this. <laughs> I mean, like stuff with like bones and like death and darkness and blood. The Marrow Fells. The Marrow Fells. I love it. We should also do something with maggots. Okay. But I like the Marrow Fells. Which sounds better, the Maggot Mountains or the Mountains of Maggots? <laughs> I think it's the second one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Six geographical features. Page 120. Page 120. Ooh, are we going to get to roll? Yep. All right. Let me get a D20. By typing in dice roller. You know, oddly, I don't actually have any physical dice on my desk either. Uh, this this is what happens when you play um, with a virtual group. Right? Mm-hmm. All right. Rolling dice. I got a 16. Okay. A 16 is a sand desert. Mm, perfect. Except it's not sand, it's teeth. Oh, God. <laughs> I love that. Ah. Okay. Did you have to say that in the voice of Zorak, though? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that wasn't Zorak. That was somebody else. Yeah. 
I think that was Beavis from Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, teeth, teeth deathers are cool. <laughs> no, teeth deathers are evil. Where'd you learn to talk like that? Hattiesburg. Wow, that is a that is a blast from the past right there, my friend. I love it. Did you just call it the Desert of Teeth? Yes. I mean, they're worn down. Erosion, wind. But it's suspiciously ivory-like grains of sand, we'll say. I like it. I like it. I like the idea of scooping up sand into your hand and looking at it, and it's fucking teeth. <laughs> Man, Pickens, I got to tell you this. I, I think you've heard the story. Picking up something, especially like out of your Crocs, and uh, expecting rocks and finding its teeth is a top-tier horrifying experience. Yeah, you have some experience with this, don't you? Yeah, In yeah that's why I was so... Yeah, that's why I was so creeped out. Um, my point is, if you're traveling to places called the killing fields, maybe don't wear Crocs. Yeah, you don't want to get any of the killing in your Crocs. Yeah, none I'll of the never get that team. out. Yeah, not coming up. Okay, so um, let's get another one. We'll flesh this out in a second. Okay. Well, let's just get our major landmarks. <laughs> no pun intended there. <laughs> All right. Let's try this. We got a 14. 14 is Rocky Hills. Okay. That fits very well. Can we continue with the same theme? Like what replaces, what can we have in addition to the rocks in these hills? How about like shields that are like stuck into the ground? Or like some of the hills are just made from piles of shields, like ancient and rusted or. Yeah, not completely though. Like they have the base of being rock or even better dwarves. Just like dead dwarves, like somebody pulled them up out of the ground. I don't know if you're even doing dwarves in this group, in this campaign setting, but like, I don't think, I don't know if they make sense. You don't know if it makes sense. Okay. I like your shields idea. What okay. if for the history of this place, this was one of the last empires to resist the packs and this is where they were defeated and they had to lay down their shields mm -hmm. and they did them in such number mm -hmm. that it forms this like pretty hilly region. Like, yeah, I love what we're doing right now. Cause we are using the, uh, the uh, sly flourish method of like, if you're going to make a place for people to go fucking make it epic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When we get to the third episode of this one and, and make a, and make a race. Oh my God. <laughs> yep. 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 That's what we're doing. This will be a three part, just like with the cyberpunk one. And the third part, instead of making the first adventure will be the species that inhabit beneath Right, um roll again the shield hills we'll just give it a tentative mm -hmm. name and this is the other thing too like in this process so basically all we're doing is like we're getting the thing from the table and then like what's the most metal thing you can think <laughs> of? <laughs> yeah totally 
I mean, and it all started, I think, back with our original prompt. If we had said, you know, that the moon was like a giant happy face, we'd mm-hmm. probably have a very different campaign setting. You know, if we ever do like Patreon content, we should do that. We should make another setting and make it a smiley face and then just do a whole series of episodes around creating the opposite of whatever monstrosity <laughs> we're making right now. People are going to be I like, I think the skull smiles on that idea. The thing like, people say in this I'm, world. I'm starting to, I'm starting to see a theme here. Like this, this, uh, you know, cyberpunk setting, this bleak cyberpunk setting, this bleak fantasy setting, this bleak science fiction setting you guys have made. I'm starting to see a theme here. All right. Hey, that when we fill the the stars with the wasted and ruined remains <laughs> of a humanity that died alone in the night, yeah, uh, because something messed up their ability to travel faster than light. Yes. Um, that won't be bleak. Yeah, our our science fiction setting will start with like Earth. They had to leave Earth. They left in this massive fleet and they were all like, all right, everybody hit whatever light speed is in this universe and we'll see you on the other side. And nobody fucking made it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Keep that idea because that gives me an idea for the next terrain feature. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Perfect. All right. I'm rolling again. I got a 19. 19. A volcano. Oh, perfect. A volcano of bile. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's like shaped like a giant lizard's head. And it's just like spitting up dragon breath all over the, the surrounding countryside. What do you think? I love that idea. (laughs) Where do people actually live? (laughs) They try to live in this fucked up shit. Okay. Uh, I mean, they're not going to live on a volcano. Come on. You can get, you could be cool with that one. Let them live in the shield fucking part. I don't know. Uh, the, I'm everything I'm thinking of for a possible name for this is just too on the nose. Like the dragon maw or like Mm -hmm. that's yeah. Yeah. That is that is a bit too much. I mean the but, bile mount. <laughs> like, all right, call it bi- the bile mount. Look, we can change any of these later. When okay. this becomes the next campaign setting for our five E D and D group, <laughs> <laughs> they'll know they've really pissed us off. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, give me another one. All right. Uh let's see here. Okay, this is where people can live. 13. A rainforest. Vast, damp, and green, baby. It's like just one giant fungal mold. Yeah. I like that. So the uh the most of the natural what would be wildlife in this area was destroyed and fungus like what like grew like crazy you know what i mean so it's like this that and it and it's like forest only in in terminology yeah you know like it's very not, similar sort of ecosystem to a rainforest but everything is i don't know fungus. i just i put i put the spore wood spore wood is awesome all right we need two more okay 
I hope got, we get one of the really weird ones. <laughs> I got a number 10. 10. Light Forest. Mm-hmm. The Sporewood Annex. Interspersed with other terrain, it says in the description. They may, yeah, it's probably like, I'm picturing like, there's the Shield Hills, and then there's this area interspersed with the hills, and then you get into the Sporewood. Mm-hmm. It's got a big arc. I like the idea of a forest that has grown around death and destruction. So the trees are all in these like horrible shapes. Um, there's this, um, this is really weird, but in my neighborhood, there is a tree that somebody dressed up for Halloween and they never took it down. They never took down the decorations, (laughs) which I think is fucking awesome, but it is scary as fuck. Maybe I'll take a picture of it the next time I'm over there. But there's like a face they put on it and it and they just kept adding shit. So there's like these like reaching clawed hands and it looks it, it evokes the idea of a, a tree that has mutated into almost human like poses. Like I'm thinking of like when a beholder turns people to stone or whatever and there's in, in D&D fantasy and there's like fields of people in stone. Like, what about trees that have grown around dead bodies and skeletons of defeated armies? And they're all, like, trapped in these poses, you know, these, like, death visages where the trees don't look like humans. But, like, if you squint, they kind of do. You know what I mean? They kind of look like humanoid figures, you know, crying out to the heavens or the giant skull. What do you think? I okay, this is probably too on the nose, but my working name for this is the Dryad Morn Forest. Perfect. All right, last one. Yep. Six. Okay. Grassland. All right, what do you think of for this one? Um The Grass Sea. No, uh, <laughs> is this going to be one of our normal in quotes areas or is there going to be something fucked up here too uh i have an idea for i want to oh i just i don't know i like this we'll call it the plow vex plains okay like plow like a plow and then vex like a curse okay that's not great but i just like i like the ideas if we flesh this out that like this is actually a, a fairly decent place. Like the grass is normal grass. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's, it's not like literally like scrape away an inch of topsoil and there's just the leering faces of a thousand slain children or something like that. <laughs> but there's some like weird Pax law that's like no one can do things here. Mm-hmm. Okay. And no one remembers why. It's just like periodically like the the machinery of empire sends patrols out and they just kill and burn anything they find in the boundaries of this i like it i like it totally arable land could totally support a lot of people maybe there's some rivers that are mostly water less blood but like there's just some ancient law no one understands i love it oh maybe they're like they're not even they're not even sentient undead there's just like a horde of patrolling skeletons that were set to this task so long ago. Um, 
Cool. I like it. Okay, cool. So now just for, we're going to do one roll terrain feature details. I think we won't do this for all of them for the podcast, but we'll just pick one and we'll expand upon it with a one roll table. This is a really cool thing Kevin Crawford does uh, where you basically pick up your whole set, your D4, D6, D8, D10, D12, D20, and you roll them all and then it just paints a whole picture. The categories we're looking at is how populated is the feature, how dangerous is the feature, uh, what use is the feature, what kind of event last happened there, what antagonists are common there, and then an optional quirk. Okay. Busting out the physical dice for this one. Huzzah! So you said a D4, a D8, a D6, a D20, D12? Yep. Which All one right. we doing? Uh, let's roll that D6. How dangerous is the feature? Well, it's the D4 first, but which one do we want to do this for? Oh, okay. Which Desert one of our D regions? For our geographical feature. Yeah, the Desert of Teeth. Okay. So how populated is this feature? We use a D4. I'm rolling that D4. I got a one. Almost unpopulated. I wonder why. <laughs> I mean, it seems, seems nice. I mean, D6. as if living in a desert wasn't difficult enough. Yeah. All right, D6. I got a four. Uh, how dangerous is this feature? It's unusually dangerous in several ways. All right. What a mystery. All right, and then D8. What use is the feature? Mm-hmm. I got an eight. A mighty working is still functioning there. Oh, what working is capitalized. What is a mighty working? So it's basically like a great spell or magical effect from some ancient era of history. Perfect. So that spell that spontaneously creates teeth. Yeah, it's still sucking all the teeth out of people when they die. Like, you know how in our world, when you die, you shit and piss yourself. In this world, you also lose all of your teeth. <laughs> your teeth all fly out. You know? <laughs> people try to position their enemies on the battlefield to be like, to have their army uh, be the front line of the army is between mm -hmm. the desert of teeth because they hope when they die, the teeth will get sucked out and ripped through the troops behind them. Yeah. Little known fact, the big bad of this world is the Tooth Fairy. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of love that. I don't know. <laughs> we can do it. We can do it. Okay. We'll detail the working later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a yeah. And then D10 is what kind of event happened, last happened there. And let me get it. Let me get a D10 that I like here. 
Sorry. This is what happens when you live with nerds and they leave all their dice in your house and then move away. All right, got one. Three. Ooh. A usurper and supporters fled into it. Oh, wow. That's perfect. That that goes very, very well with the, um, you know, empire cannibalizing itself from within. I mean, I don't I feel like all this time we've been doing on these tables, I've like once I've had one that I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure that works. Like one time out of all the roles, mm-hmm. I think in our cyberpunk episode, mm-hmm. I asked for a re-roll. Other than that, it's just like, well, that works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's almost like Kevin Crawford knows what he's doing. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> Weird. All right. We'll pull ourselves off his dick and get back to designing this campaign setting, at least for the time being. All right. D12. Yep antagonists what antagonists are common there six six oh oh (laughs) (laughs) i just saw it (laughs) read it elemental emanations of the disordered land perfect are we gonna go to elementals yes yes (laughs) yes constructs made of teeth i'm picturing like the head of this thing is like a giant's tooth you know and it's got like a decayed cavity in it oh i love it what do they see out of great question teeth (laughs) perfect And it was for that joke that he was banished to the Desert of Teeth. All right. uh, D20. Optional quirk of the feature. Optional. I got a two. Two. It has a place in the national origin legend. Oh, you don't say. Yeah. Our people came from the Desert of Teeth. Our people came from teeth, and they'll return to the teeth when they're done. (laughs) Do you remember when our tribes wandered out of the desert of teeth? Pepperidge Farms remembers. (laughs) Perfect. Well, now we're going to have to make a nation that this is like the Teethlanders. The Teethlanders. Can we do that next? Uh... Oh man, which one was it? Significant. Oh, what was the 12? Um, two. It has a place in the national origin le- legend. Oh, next we're going to do the Shield Hills. Oh, do you want to go ahead and one roll for him? For the Shield Hills? Yeah. Okay. Roll in D4. Or do you want me to roll them all at once? Roll them all at once. That's probably the nerdiest thing I've ever done is roll dice into the microphone on my fucking role-playing game podcast. It didn't pick up. It didn't? Fantastic. No. We'll have to record some B-roll of (laughs) dice rolling. All right. uh, We got a four on our D4. A rush of people have gone there. 
to the shield hills. Mm -hmm. For our D6, we got a five. It will quickly kill the unprepared or unwary. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know how. Something about the shields just like pushing themselves up through the rock like tombstones i'm sure there's no like vengeful spirits of like the defeated army like that haunt the shield hills okay for our d8 we got a five it has substantial productive infrastructure oh because people mine it it's a great place it's a great place to live and raise a family in a world where beneath the skull shield hills Steel if you lived hills. here, you'd be home by now. <laughs> <laughs> and then the new expansion, Shield Shield Hills Creek. Shield Hills Creek. Uh, substantial productive infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And then what kind of event last happened there? We got a 10. A natural, a natural or uncanny disaster. Say it again. A natural or uncanny disaster struck there. What could be considered a natural disaster in the Shield Hills? Field slide. Shield slide. (laughs) All right, that's it. Okay, so D10, I got a six. Six. Oh, the, wait, didn't you just tell me the D10? A oh. natural disaster? Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Um, What are we on now? Antagonist, the D12. Oh, um, that one is a two. Angry cultists of a local faith. Hmm. What do the people of the Shield Hills believe? Someday the packs will weaken and our ancestors will return to pick up their shields once more. Stop mining the shields. <laughs> <laughs> so are, are we agreed that the shields are just spontaneously rising out of the stone? Like there's no yeah. rhyme or reason for it? Yeah. So the faith is that the there's a there's a group of people that live in the Shield Hills that are descendant of most of the people that died there, like the soldiers. Like these were the the children, spouses, the sick and elderly or whatever that's that weren't part of this army. And they believe that the shields are gifts from the ancestors in an attempt to arm them for like a last battle style scenario. So um that they their whole faith is around like these ancient soldiers returning to reclaim their shields. What do you think? If you don't have the blood, don't disturb the shields. They're not yours, but whoever else, whatever kingdom or petty fiefdom is nearby is like, you know, we can melt down the metal on these to just make tools that are actually (laughs) capable of chopping through bone. Yeah. So, yeah, like it's a it's a potential resource that is mostly being underutilized because there is a religious religious fetish around it. 
Yep. And this is where we set the very closely mapped to bone tomahawk adventure. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> this is that setting for sure. Yeah, definitely. All uh, right. And then optional quirk. 18. Rulership of the feature is widely disputed. That makes sense. That makes sense. With an empire that's caving in on itself and a local power structure that is connected to ancestry of these shields and this the soldiers that died here. That makes a lot of sense. Cool. All right. What's next? The bile mount? Uh, let's move on to the kingdom. Okay. Which page is the kingdom on? 119. Okay. And kingdom, Crawford points out, doesn't have to be taken literally. This could be a tribal land. This could be, you know, like any, any sort of polity, but it's some sort of group of connected peoples. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, this is the first level that's likely to include facts and details that matter to your very first session of play. Okay. So we're going to start with the first basic step. Pick a linguistic touchstone. Okay. And then it says pick a linguistic touchstone and give your kingdom or area a name. Okay. So what is a... What is a linguistic touchstone? Like something that everybody calls the kingdom or? No, I mean, it's like it's the naming pattern or language you're kind of basing it on. Um, Mm -hmm. He points out, well, I'll just read this passage real quick. Go for it. (laughs) This language is likely the tongue of the current or historical dominant group in the region. Conventional fantasy names tend to be random nonsense syllables picked from the creator's cultural phoneme stock and places often end up as some city city of adjective noun or the noun noun river while some of this can work perfectly well it's easier for the gm to pick some obscure or extinct real world language known to nobody at the table and use it for names even if the words they use have no relation to what they're naming the consistent set of sounds and syllable patterns will help give it a coherent feel to the work that makes sense so instead of creating a generic fantasy name for a kingdom, it's just like, use a word. Create a word. I wonder... Well, didn't we already did this, do this with the Pax Osseus? Well, that's them. Mm-hmm. They got Latin-sounding names in places. Mm-hmm. So didn't we just do that? Well, are we? We're not making the packs. We're making one of the kingdoms at the edge. No. Well, right. But what I'm saying is, like, let's not make it too difficult on ourselves. Let's use the same linguistic touchstone. Okay. What do you think? I mean, I was... I'm I'm inclined to just make a place called Lohru. Yeah. Let's see. What was the old naming convention we used to use when I was a kid? We would take a celebrity name and then try to <laughs> pronounce it backwards. All right. So, all right. Here we go. Here's one for you. Remlik Love. That's Val Kilmer backwards. 
<laughs> I like Kingdom Remlik. Remlik. What do you think? Remlik Lav. And then people could, when we publish this setting, people would be like, this kingdom's name is Val Kilmer backwards? We're like, yes. <laughs> it's metal as fuck. I was trying to see... Uh... Yeah, I was trying to see if I could find the like Indo-European language dictionary. Oh wow! But that actually is too <laughs> too cl- close in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's crazy. What about Isuric Mott? What's that's that? Tom Cruise backwards. <laughs> I'm gonna fuck with the spelling, but I like it. I got distracted reading a web page, which is great for a podcast. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I'll just edit that out, make it sound like we're talking all over each other. Ugh. Kingdom. I put it I spelled Mot M O T D. No throw him off the trail. Yeah, nobody'll know what we're talking about. Isurik Mot. Isurik Mot. Perfect. History. Ooh, we get to roll on a history table. What page is that on? I'm trying to find it. Ah. Okay. Here we are, starting on page 136. So first, we're going to roll a D8. Dang. And we're trying to determine where did the people who are now dominant here originate? I got a five. They were magically created or shaped here. Perfect. And what became of the original inhabitants? Let's find out by rolling D10. I got an eight. Eight. <laughs> they retained small areas of self-rule. Ooh, that's a potential conflict. Oh, definitely. And then let's get like two historical crises they overcame on their way to power. All right, roll D hundred for a historical crisis. Yep, or for the crisis, yeah. Twenty-four. Economic 24. collapse. Ooh. This is great because we can kind of stat this out and see where it leads and then figure out where to put it on our sort of oh, general sure. map of the region. And how did they overcome the crisis? They overcame it by rolling a D10 and getting Ooh, an wow, 8. That easy? Jesus. Industrious labor and tireless. I think I know who these people are now. <laughs> Are we going to pitch or are we going to keep going? Let's keep going. All right. D12. Yep. What was great about it at its peak? I got a 12. Wonderful works of architecture were built. From bone. (laughs) (laughs) And then why did it fail at the final crisis? I don't think there has been the final crisis yet. Oh. I was just reading the next table in anticipation. Cool. We've got a history. Are we ready to pitch? Uh, Yeah. 
this kingdom was one of the last holdouts, one of the most difficult kingdoms to subjugate and conquer. And even when it was, the people rebelled so often um, and so effectively that they just decided to create new people. <laughs> I love it. <clears throat> to replace them. Yeah. Yeah. They just made them. They just made them. Yeah. We just made new people. That's they, horrible. Yeah. Well, this is a bleak, horrible world. <laughs> no, that wasn't that wasn't a, a knock against it. No. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got the nation since we're not working with a border. Um, we don't really need to do population or, or urbanization or city placement. Um, so let's see. Disputes with neighboring states. Okay. What page? Page 125. Sorry. And we're looking for a D20 on that one. All right. 125. Got a two. Two. Ownership of a resource site is disputed. These are the miners. Yeah, These there you the go. Miners of the Shield Hills. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these guys didn't march to the aid of the the shield people. <laughs> mm -hmm. Ooh, I like that the shield people. Yeah, whatever their original name was, nobody knows anymore. Nobody mm -hmm. cares. Mm -hmm. Are we going to roll for our current national problems? Yep. Okay. I got a one. Jeez, Critical farmland failure. is becoming worn out and depleted. Oh, that's obvious. Yeah. Uh, farmland Ooh. depletion. Ooh. So this is in the Shield Hills area, right? I think their border is on the Shield Hills. What if the farmland is growing swords? Or weapons? Oh. Fuck yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like planting corn and it's getting you know yeah like this is fucking biblical and shit you know what i mean yeah. like and the, it's spreading out from the border like here's the thing about the shield hills or whatever this area is is like this was like the best chance of an actual survivable livable place and the world itself will not let that happen like the the ancestor warriors who died in this location will not let people live in peace and survive they are forcing them to fight yeah so there there will be no farmable land there will be no hospitable structures like weapons and shields and armor and shit are just like basically growing out of the ground like making the area unlivable it is forcing them to take up arms and fight as part of the last part of the prophecy the last battle so to speak yeah and what do you think the pax what do you think the pax's policy on owning weapons is? <laughs> yeah. i don't think they like it very much no <laughs> yeah it's kind of raised some eyebrows evidence. back at hq 
Yeah. <laughs> They've got a rigorous evidentiary system of justice. Yeah. Yeah. So I imagine that there are people who are like farming, like farmers who are pulling up these weapons and like hiding them. Yeah. They don't know what to do with them. So they're like stockpiling weapons. Like their kids are out there weeding daggers out of the fields. Yeah. It's fucking bleak. Uh, positive ties with a neighboring state. Oh, there could be more than one state in this region. Sure. I got a 10. <laughs> they gave critical aid during a disaster. Mm. What did that look like? They needed swords for something. <laughs> <laughs> if only we had something to rebuild our houses with. Um, they gave critical aid during a disaster. I mean, the obvious thing is they use the weapons and the armor, but I feel like we're waiting on that one. Yeah, I'm going to put an asterisk next to that because later down the road when we flesh out another kingdom, we can identify. That's a great like... idea. And then good things happening right now. Oh, Maybe boy. in this world we don't roll on that. But... <laughs> yeah. This this table is omitted in this bleak fantasy world. <laughs> All right. I got a 15. I was going to, like, crap my pants if you said one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Uh, a helpful working has been activated. Oh. I'm sure there's nothing side effect to do with swords. <laughs> I mean, that kind of just wrote itself, right? Yep. Now, is the helpful working, like, so is the weapons, the call to arms event, is that a working that's not helping them? Because it's causing a problem. It could be. Mm-hmm. And then maybe we want to look at, like, what was our... Um, well, the Desert of Teeth has a magical working. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Hmm. I don't All think right. we have to be too literal with it. A working mm -hmm. is basically an ancient magic that sort of bends the laws of what things can do. Okay. All right. Um, national traits. Do we want to do that? Yeah, I've got national themes. Where are national traits? Sorry, that's page 126. Yeah, same page. Okay. Roll 1d20 for national themes for thematic element. I got a 13. Hope. Oh. You know, if I was going to be critical about one part of our season two creation, <laughs> creation without number series, it's that we kind of roll right into what we're making <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, look, it's there. And that, you know, we have to provide hope in a bleak setting. Otherwise, people aren't going to want to play it. So I think it's an important one to keep. Yeah. No, I like it. Let's keep it. The question is, is how does that apply to the nation in question? Um. Well, they're the best people. We got the best people. 
they were made to be the best people. That's right. They were <laughs> they were literally made to be the best people. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Let's so the hope description says the nation is imbued with a sense of hope and potential, the promise of a better day to come and a brighter future for those who win through their present problems. There may have been a recent discovery of some great trove of resources, some magical or technological innovation that promises great results or the rise of a beloved house of seemingly blessed rulers. Okay. Let's make the society and then see if that gives us any ideas. (laughs) Okay. All right. Roll a D4. Mm Mm-hmm. Got a We're four. making the people who live here. What'd you get? Got a four. Four. They are much bigger and bulkier than their neighbors. <laughs> because they were created to be so. <laughs> yeah. Congrats. We made hopeful orcs. <laughs> yeah, that's very hope punk of us. Uh ooh. Typical skin colors. Yeah, I would sh- if I didn't see the back end of this table, I would shy away from this and say <laughs> let the let the players yeah, decide. For, but for the listening audience, scales for unusual hide type is in is in this table. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're gonna we're gonna do the straight white guy thing and roll on this table. Uh-huh. Okay, got number seven. An unusual color or pattern of colors. Hmm. Okay. Pattern of colors. Thematically sticking with like colors of death or blood. So like. If they're just like straight rust orange, like Oompa Loompas. Oh, their entire skin. I was thinking because I was keying in on the word patterns. Like everybody has these like splotch patterns on their faces or bodies that are almost like um, tattoo like, but they're they're they occur like birthmarks, but they're humongous. Okay, what do you think? I like it. So you can blood red. Well, there could be variations, right? There could be like a coppery red, a brown, like they're, they're variations of blood, like fresh blood, dried blood. You could create different cultural elements around that. Yep. And then the patterns they form in where they're located on the body, like this entire civilization is like, you know, you're destined to do different things based on like location pattern coloration. And it's all, you know, it either, it either is self-fulfilling or it's part of this prophecy or it's complete bullshit. It's up to the player character. Okay. What do you think? Um, I like it. Let's go with it. Okay. And then I think I want to pick off the table for hair color. Okay. Yeah. That's I think they lack hair. They don't have hair. Okay. All right, then I would like to amend the last thing then. Oh, okay. Um, but you you can veto this if you want. You know I trust you. No, go for it. So what about the blood coloration is on the top of the head or in place of hair? 
like a skull pattern like a skull cap tattoo sort of yeah except it's it's like a naturally occurring like bruise or birthmark kind of looking thing since they have no hair okay what, what do you think you like i said you can veto it might be too Dep- tacky no no so if it's like very clearly the blood if crown. it twists the perception of being a thing that could just naturally happen through our understanding of genetics like if there's like sharp points and stuff and they're like kind of symmetrical i'm in for it if it's just random blotches i'm less into it being on the top of the head well i want to do the version you're into so what, what how do we make that happen it's symmetrical. like they're born, with, they're born with blood colored tattoos on the top of their head that's even better let's do it okay cool because then when like when then when we have people create characters you can require them to come up with their own pattern and you can require them to invest some time in like what it looks like and what's its significance and how has it affected you you know during the growth cycle of this species yeah Cool. You want me to roll for eye coloration? Natural blood hued tattoos cover their scalp from birth. Okay. Eye coloration. Want me to roll? Yep. Four. Grays, whether flat or metallic. I think metallic grays. Mm-hmm. I dig that. Do we want to do yeah, optional I mean... common forms of adornment? Mm-hmm. Okay. Got a six. Yeah, it doesn't work. Right? Reroll. Yeah, powdered hair shaving. <laughs> yeah. Number ten. Worn weapons, tools, or trade implements. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the stuff that's coming up from the ground, they have no choice but to fucking like adorn themselves in it. <laughs> and then uh, optional physical quirk or traits. Okay, D20. Natural one. They possess an extra eye somewhere. Oh, can that be up to the player characters or are they eyes in a specific place? Uh, I'm thinking eyes without a face. Eyes without a face. What do you mean? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. I just had a Billy Idol moment. Sorry. Oh, the only thing I know by Billy Idol is White Wedding, which is the only thing everybody else knows. Oh, there's also eyes without a face. Well, and the up. first album produced entirely uh, on a computer was Billy Idol's Cyberpunk. Oh, okay. Um, it is not good. <laughs> <laughs> Do not listen to that while you play your Cyberpunk game. <laughs> where? Uh, okay, so where? Where? Where are these eyes found? Is it like random? Is it like certain? Like, is it in the armpit? 
Is it on the face or head? Is it in the mouth? Oh, God. <laughs> I think it's like right between the shoulder blades, like on the spine. Painful. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like it. This is some fucked up fantasy shit right here. Yes, it's weird stuff. All right. Values of the society, page 130. All right. Looks like we're rolling D100. Mm-hmm. So we are going to basically look at what is important to these people. We're going to pick two or three traits uh, that they esteem and then maybe one they hate. Okay. 96 for the first one. Okay. Values they esteem. Leadership and charisma in the group. And? 20. 20. Beauty and seductive charm. Wow. They are charming and charismatic people. And giants with an eye on their spine. <laughs> Covered in jewelry made from weapons. There's an entire flirting code of like getting your shirt collar just down to wink at people with you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like that. Little blinky blink. Mm -hmm. Next one is 65. 65. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't make sense that they would hate excellence in one's profession or trade. All right. Want to reroll? Yeah. I got an eight. Eight. Eloquence and social exp. No. Okay. Reroll. I got a two. <laughs> Individual rights and freedom of action. There we go. <laughs> There's old reliable. When you need to make it bad, take away individual rights and freedom of action. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then a major unit of social identity. We need to roll a D20. This is on page 131. Isn't this cool, though? Like, yeah, we know who these folks are now. Yeah. Yeah. It's all coming together. 17. Okay, 17. Voluntary Mutual Assistance Brotherhoods. Interesting. They're anarchists who hate individual rights, and they're very charming and like to wink at people with their back eyes. That's right. Well, that would make sense why they despise individuality or individual rights, I should say, if they're obsessed with voluntary mutual assistant, assistance brotherhoods. It's about the group. Stop putting mm -hmm. yourself above everybody else. What's that? You're working too hard. You're making the rest of us look bad. Okay. All right. Cool, cool. Ready and for an For social aesthetics, do we want to do an example template society? I don't want to stay away from that. I mean, we can roll on it just to, for shits and giggles. But I feel like we kind of got something of our own working right here. Yeah. You know what I mean? You just yeah. want to do, I mean, like, look at, look at what some of the options are like 
modern day America, Renaissance Italy. Like maybe these, we can use these to kind of like finalize the idea, but I feel like we're going to do a lot of re-rolling. No, they're, they're super into athleisure and joggers and hoodies. <laughs> they're just. <laughs> yeah. And uh, lo-fi uh, Zelda chill playlists. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll skip that one. Yeah. I could see, I can see why this table is here. I just don't think we need it. Cool. Cool. Well, we've been at it for yeah. about an hour now. Fantastic. Another successful episode of the Jaunty Mantis. What are we going to do in part two? This was part one. Yeah, so we're going to get into uh, creating a government for our kingdom. That's mm-hmm. really where we would start having some hooks um, to basically uh, build something. And then we might we might talk about the gods and create a religion. I hope so. Uh, maybe some temples, flesh out our malevolent cult that lives in the, uh, the Shield Hills, and then pick a couple ruins and points of interest to stick around in our kingdom as possible adventure sites. And I think we're going to call it good there. Yeah. And then what are we going to do for episode three for the cyberpunk version of this creation without number? We did a starter adventure. We're not doing that for this one. What are we doing for this one? We are going to create, well, we're going to do what we just did. (laughs) We may have got ahead of ourselves there. Uh Uh-oh. We're going to create a playable character species yeah picture the players the player handbook right and an entry for uh an option for someone to make a character and we've already started that process but we are specifically going to flesh this out in like uh species abilities or uh you know common classes or whatever how how they like adventure in the world stuff like that yep all right, Jesse. Any other thoughts? How this went? I think you like great. What you didn't like? <laughs> I'm biased. <laughs> well, we had some fun today, didn't we, listeners? Uh, Jesse, if the listeners want to get in touch with us and tell us uh, stories, ideas of their own about their own fantasy series, how can they get in touch with us? Well, you can, as long as you obey the proper rituals and perform everything underneath the gaze, uh, you can reach us at jauntymantis at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are on the social medias at jauntymantis uh, or wantymantis on hex. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can reach me on hex at jingoistfet. Perfect. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. And you know what, listeners, if you have been inspired at all by our cyberpunk stuff or the fantasy version in season two, and you're like, hey, I've got an idea for something that would go well in your world of beneath, um, shoot it our way. Maybe we'll read it and and add it to the uh, the thought process. I don't know. What do you think, Jesse? Is that a good idea? I think that's a great idea. All right. Yeah. But just keep it brief. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. And uh, for Jesse, I'm Maddie, and this has been the Jaunty Mantis. And now it's time for our famous catchphrase, which is get out there and Kevin Crawford sign nominate. Agency. Yeah. <laughs>